checks mechanism. Alright, Shaquille O'Neal for rap. This is not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're gonna go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Land of Grinders. This is Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of DePaul Blue Demons. Uh, this is hosted by Miko Lewis Jr. and Stephen Ross. Uh, so we got a pretty pretty interesting show today. Uh, we're going to go into a little bit of the Golden State Warriors, some of the Raptors, NFL OTA started this week. Uh possibly a little baseball as well, but we're going to go into what the biggest thing in sports media is right now, and that is Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson came on first take the other day in an interview where he described his time with the Lakers and how things transpired. Uh, Magic referred to his partner and GM, Rob Palinka as a backstabber, and that his power had been diminished by Jeannie Buss. Uh, Miko, what do you think is next for the Los Angeles Lakers? Um, I think this was good for Magic Johnson to try to clear up his name because I know I was slandering him. I know LeBron had things to say. I know a lot of people had things to say about the way he departed the Los Angeles Lakers because he didn't leave in a fashion where you would think a guy of uh, Magic Johnson's standard, you think he would have uh, played that role a little better than him leaving. But the fact that I, I watched a lot of what he said on first take, and it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense just knowing that uh, LeVar Ball actually predicted the future once again, and he knew that the Los Angeles Lakers was a uh, – was a mess from the start. So just hearing Magic Johnson talk about how how Rob Palinka and was talking behind his back and how Jeannie Buss was uh had a, had another guy, I forgot his I forgot the guy he's mentioned, but he had another guy come in and was kinda like counseling him a little bit and he had the answer he had the he had the answer to a couple of people and he was the president of the basketball operation. So he felt like he should have had most of the power to do anything he wanted to do with that Lakers team and I mean, I guess it was, it was just a, not a good situation for him. I, I still think he could have handled it better, but you gotta you gotta respect him for because uh, he's like he said he said he makes a lot more money doing everything he else does than he does he did being president for the Los Angeles Lakers. What's your takeaways from this? Um, so I I really respect Magic Johnson for saying you know he did it his way. Uh, he he's not trying to look for forgiveness for anybody. He's not really trying to be. He he just said that he what he did was his thing. Um, and he didn't really care the other what it was going to come back from it. And he said, so, like, basically, so what are you going to do about it? And uh, that, that's why I kind of respect Magic in this era. Um, it is kind of messed up that he just w- left the Lakers out to dry. Uh, but I, I get where he's coming from um, because before this interview, I really had no idea what went on. I thought he just got up and left because the Lakers were in a lot of turmoil. Um, but it, it turns out it wasn't that way, and it turns out the Lakers are a, a bigger mess than we actually thought they were. Um, everything that happened with Jeannie Buss when he said that he wanted to fire Luke Walton, um, and she said, yeah, you got the power. And then the next time, they had a couple meetings before then, uh, and then they had another meeting where she brought the COO in, like like you said. Um, and then they started – he felt like he had diminished power. And for Rob Palinka to call him a backstabber was, was really was really messed up, if, if that's actually what's true, because Rob Palinka actually had an interview the other day where he said he didn't do any of that, um, and he looks forward to trying to talk to Magic about what happened. Um but, I mean, as far as Rob Palinka's standards, uh, if you're calling a guy a backstabber who does, I mean, he told Jeannie Buss straight up to her face. I think he was saying that uh, Magic Johnson was calling um, Rob Palinka a backstabber, that he was the one going behind his said, back right? and talking. No, he was, he was making it seem like Rob Palinka called him a backstabber. No, no, no. I, I meant to say Ma- Magic, clarif- clarification, Magic Magic called Rob Palinka a backstabber because he wasn't always in the office. But the thing about Magic Johnson is he had a lot of other things on his plate, and he told Jeannie Buss to her face that – he wasn't going to be there. He he had other things going on. Like like Miko said, he made a lot of money from his businesses, and that wasn't the only thing that was making his only revenue. So as far as Rob Palinka goes, I mean, it's kind of messed up for him to start asking, you know, why isn't he in the office? When at the end of the day, Magic Johnson calls all the final basketball decisions. For Rob Palinka's job as a general manager, it's for you to gather information to hopefully make a well-educated basketball decision and then bring it to Magic Johnson to have that last, that last final say. And for Rob Palinka to say... He's not in the office. He's not doing his job. Well, Magic was doing his job to an extent, but it comes. Up, it's on Rob Palinka's plate as well to, you know, 
do his job a little bit better to bring stuff to Magic. And I think there's more Rob Polinka trying to get in that president of basketball operations job and be the next president for when Magic stepped down. And uh, Magic said he was trying to groom him for it. But um, as far as the state of the Lakers, I mean, they're – they're nothing that's changed, honestly. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing that we talked about every other time we talk about the Lakers. I mean, it's garbage. Only, the, only positive I got to take away from the Lakers is the report that LeBron James is reportedly happy with the Lakers situation. So, I mean, if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, that's like the only thing you could be uh, happy about. That's the only thing you could actually look forward to, that you do have LeBron James on your roster still. Now it's just up to Frank Vogel and Rob Polinka to fix this and somehow right the ship because I, I like – I like the Lakers' chances of being a competitive team with LeBron James on the roster. So now this offseason is going to be very, very detrimental to a lot of these guys' career. And, I mean, it's time for them to put up or shut up at this point. I mean, they, they got lucky getting the fourth overall draft pick. Now it's time for them to surround LeBron James with the players that he need around him. What, what does it say about Rob Palenka, though? I mean, it, these Magic's saying that he's a backstabber and, and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, you know the superstar wants his coach and Ty Lue and – you bring Ty Lue in and basically lowball him and give him not the money that he wants, even though he's a championship caliber. I mean, he won a championship. So, like, for Rob Palenka to bring a superstar coach, a, the coach that the superstar wants, then lowball him, then get the guy he wants, I think that says a lot about Rob Palenka in, in hindsight, that, you know, he's not going to let LeBron control the narrative that he wants to control what's going on. And that can be good and bad because you don't want to create a rift between a superstar, but also, you know, you want to make the well the best educated basketball decision based on your knowledge not anyone else's knowledge but I mean you got to take what LeBron takes into account uh, I mean we'll see what happens with the Lakers going on further down the road they have a lot of question marks to uh, continue and and they have to, they have to grow from this they have to they have to come back from the draft they have to rebound I'm not sure who they'll take in the draft I'm not sure what they'll do regarding AD regarding this summer uh, but I, I've heard that LeBron is on the phone LeBron is calling people um He's been at, I, I guess the Lakers have reached out to Derek Favors. They've reached out to Kyle Lowry, and they've reached out to Bradley Beal. And I think that Bradley Beal would probably be the. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really sold on Kyle Lowry because he's so inconsistent. But I think Bradley Beal would be a great fit next to LeBron James in in LA. Um, yeah, I mean, they have a lot to uh, to fix. But moving on, the Golden State Warriors swept the Portland Trailblazers behind Steph Curry's MVPs series. The Warriors have now reached their fifth straight NBA Finals, and the Blazers are at home now. Is the biggest storyline the Warriors sweeping the Blazers or the Blazers not showing up in the Western Conference Finals? You Steven, know, this question is directed directly directly towards you because you, on this show last week, you said that the Portland Trail Blazers will beat the Warriors in six games. And now it's time for you to tell the people what happened. I was wrong. Um, I, I believed in this Portland team after everything they had dealt with. I, I thought Dame, I thought Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum were much more gamers. Uh, I believed in Rodney Hood a lot more, which is which is terrible for me to say. I thought with KD and Demarcus Cousins, without KD and Demarcus Cousins, the Portland Trailblazers actually had a solid, valid shot at taking down the Golden State Warriors and reaching the NBA Finals. Uh, I, I thought they were going to do it. I'm not going to lie to you, um, but I, I was totally wrong, and I live up to it. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, man, they're they're ridiculously good. Steph Curry scored the most points in a playoff series ever. You know it, it, this guy, this guy's simply amazing. And uh, I, I I know later earlier on during the show uh, a couple of weeks back, I said I'm, Steph Curry is the best point guard to ever play this game, uh, and I want to relax on that because I you know I, I I was so high on on Steph Curry at the time that I wasn't taking anything else into account. And I have to agree with Andre Iguodala where he said that Steph Curry is the second best point guard to ever play this game. Besides Magic Johnson, um, as far as the storyline goes, you know it has to be the Blazers not showing up, right? Because I mean, you can go either way. Because the Warriors are simply incredible. You know, they they Draymond Green is an underappreciated star in this league. Another thing I have to do is take back everything bad I've ever said about Draymond Green because without him in this series, I, it would have been detrimental to the Warriors where he was doing everything where it comes to blocks, defense. You know, the fact that this guy hasn't made an all-defensive team this year, too, is kind of crazy. He might be one of the best. He is one of the best defenders in this league, if not the best. So for for him to get snubbed like that, you know, we're going to get back to that later on in the show, hopefully. But I have to go with the Blazers, man. It's just they look terrible down the stretch every single game, you know, letting up 15-point leads. They were up. They were up big most of the time at halftime each game and they just squandered their lead they can't close and I think that's what most teams with these playoff with no playoff experience like we saw with the Rockets in the second round we see with the Blazers this round is they don't have enough experience going against this experienced Golden State Warriors team that's led by Steph Curry who is 
absolutely killing everybody this year. So now I'm curious to see when Kevin Durant comes back uh, in the finals, you know, is that going to mess up team chemistry? Um, what, what, what's that going to do? But I mean, we don't know who they're going to, who they're opposing, uh, who they're going to play yet. But I mean, as Miko, as far as you go, what do you think is a bigger storyline? I mean, the the biggest storyline to me is uh I mean the Warriors sweeping the Portland Trailblazers it's the biggest storyline just because they did without Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins, but from I mean I I, knew, I really never expected the Portland Trailblazers to even beat the uh, even have a chance to beat the Warriors even without Kevin Durant playing I I figured they could have won at least one game and I, I thought they should have at least won one game you don't want to get swept I believe they got I feel like they get swept by the Warriors every playoff series so. The fact that they got swept and after having a, a really great season, making it to the uh, Western Conference Finals, for them to go out in that fashion is just it's very uh, demoralizing to their season. I know Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum had great great seasons this year, but you can't come to the Western Conference Finals and not show up. Like You, you get past the Denver Nuggets in Game 7. You you hit a marvelous shot versus um, Paul George in Game 5 versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then you come – with the world watching you, everyone's talking about you being the second best point guard in the league, and you drop a goose egg in the Western Conference Finals, and you don't even you don't even win a game. You don't even you you, you challenge the Warriors a couple games, but the fact that you can even close out a game when you had fifteen plus point leads is just it's it's, it's it's very shocking to see that they even that they got swept like that. As for the Golden State Warriors, we all know how good they are. They were we all know that they were the best team in the league for the last four or five years, even with with or without Kevin Durant, they're they're a team that's been set up for success with Steve Kerr as their head coach, with the way their system's running and you know when Steph Curry's playing the way he was playing during his series like he was in two thousand fifteen when he was league MVP, those back to back years. So when he's playing on that level, it really doesn't matter what the people around him doing. And and as for Draymond Green, he he's always been a very he's always been an M V P to their team. I still feel like he's a, a guy that's predicated for the Warriors success as far as that's this is the play this is the best place he needs to be. He doesn't ever need to leave the Golden State Warriors. Like he's gonna make it to the Hall of Fame just being on the Golden State Warriors. I know, um, even myself don't believe in him as as a star, as an All Star when when it comes to like playing with another team. But for what he does for the Golden State Warriors, he's he's a he's the best thing that they can have, they can ever have when you have a guy in Clay Thompson and Steph Curry in the backcourt. He's their perfect anchor. He's I mean he's a walking triple double at this point in his career. He's he's just, he's big time when it comes in there in the playoffs. So I have you can't really knock a guy like that. And Klay Thompson, the fact that they won this series and Klay Thompson really didn't have that well of a series, it just shows you how good they are. So the, the fact that they won Game Four without Andrea Godala too. They I mean, all right, realistically, our our biggest thing on the Golden State Warriors coming into this playoff series was or into the playoffs just in general was their depth. And we were we were grinding them for the depth. We said they didn't have any how many guys right behind Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala, and we figured we felt like they both took a step back. But honestly, their entire their entire bench took a step forward. I mean, Alfonso McKinney had a great game four. I believe he had twelve points and thirteen rebounds. And I mean, all these guys are are playing their role. Uh, Quinn Cook, you see him pushing the break, but you see him coming back out and and starting up the offense. And so for the Golden State Warriors, man, I I got to tip my hat off to their to their bench. I mean, I don't, I don't know if if I really see anybody beating them. Uh, realistically speaking, so all we can do is just wait for next year and hope hope the best, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna uh, give the Bucks or the Raptors a chance to actually make a series versus them. I'm not gonna. I would love to see the Bucks beat the Golden State Warriors, but we all know that's a tall task. I picked them to win a championship at the beginning of the season when they signed Demarcus Cousins, and the fact that they don't have him and Kevin Durant, but they likely are going to come back in the NBA Finals. I mean. This this is the team that everyone in America knows is going to be the NBA champions. But for the Milwaukee Bucks, they were the best team in the league this year, and they do have home court advantage come finals time if they do get past the Raptors. So I think that will be a fun series to watch. I don't think it will be a sweep like they were in this series versus in the Western Conference Finals versus the Portland Trailblazers. I think the Portland Trailblazers are just a team that when it comes to this magnitude and it comes to this moment, they're just, they're not ready for it. They They haven't been ready for it. And, as for the Portland Trailblazers this offseason, it's, it's time to somehow get a, another star to come there and man that small forward position because if they don't get another player to – if they don't get a, a star player like a, a like a Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris to come be that scoring wing that can help take pressure off C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, they're going to be a, a constant mediocre team that they've been – I mean, they're Damian Lillard's whole career. Uh, and and uh, before we move on to uh, – uh, 
to the Raptors and Bucks series. I just want to give a shout out to Rodney Hood uh, because this year you were swept by the Warriors. Last year on the Cavs, you were swept by the Warriors, and the year before that, you were on the Jazz and swept by the Warriors. So I'm sorry, man. Like you, you're you're 0 and 12 against the Warriors the last three years, and that that really sucks. You know, I, I bet I bet that that hurts. So shout out to him. Moving on, uh, let's go into the Raptors Bucks series. So last night, the Raptors and Bucks last night, uh, lo- the Bucks lost last night in a very lopsided game, even with Kawhi Leonard being so so called injured. Uh, I mean, he's injured, but. The series is now 2-2 going back to Milwaukee for a best of three series. And Miko talked about the Bucks playing against the Warriors, so I'm, I'm going to assume you're going with the Bucks to win this series? Yeah, I'm going with the Bucks to win this series simply on a home court home court advantage. I feel like when they get back to Milwaukee, they got, they're going to have a game five and seven in Milwaukee if it goes seven games. And I just – I like that team at home. As for the as for the Raptors, I mean, you got to tape your head off to them. They are, they've been a great team. They've been one of the – one of the favorites to come out of the East all year as well. So it's just a great playoff series we have right now. You have arguably two of the top five players in the NBA facing off against one another, and it's been a great series so far. Both both home teams have did what they were supposed to do. They held down home court advantage, and now it's going to come down to a pivotal game five and see if which of one of these two stars wanted more, more if it's going to be Giannis or is it going to be Kawhi. It's going to come down to that game, and after that, then we'll really know we'll know who to uh, start predicting for is like who's the best player in the NBA because a lot of people have been saying that Kawhi Leonard is the second best player in the NBA right now, but Giannis been, we know he's he might be league MVP this year, so you can't just you can't just, what what is he going to stand after this series? So I think this series is huge for both these guys' career as far as who's better and who's uh, who's next up in the NBA. Um, I want to before I go into this, I want to give a shout out to my grinder of the week who is Drake. Uh, Drake is pivotal in getting Giannis off of his free throw limit. I mean, Giannis airballed two free throws in, in game two. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Mike Budenholzer, uh, I believe, came out and said that Drake shouldn't be walking up and down the court. And Drake feels like he can do whatever he wants there. Um, but going into game four and for the rest of the series, uh, this is tough for me because, you know, I, I see Chris Middleton having – Chris Middleton had a great game four, you know, 11 for 15 from the field, um, four for seven from three. Uh, I believe if, if he played like I thought if he played like this that there would be no way that the Bucks would lose and they they lost by 18. Uh, Giannis has to be more dominant. Malcolm Brogdon can't shoot two for 11. But Kyle Lowry, man, Kyle Kyle Lowry is actually playing like an All Star and and this is something that th- this was the only way the Raptors were going to be good in these playoffs was if Kyle Lowry had a great great spectacular playoffs and he hasn't showed up for most of it but now he's finally getting into his own he's finally getting comfortable in the moment and it's good that they have Kawhi because Kawhi can kind of handle the load on his own where DeMar DeRozan is kind of DeMar DeRozan last year was a little bit different just because he didn't have that three-point shot that Kawhi Leonard could do and Kawhi, Kawhi can handle it all you know if Kawhi's only taking 13 shots and you're winning by 18 points and you know, we got we got a little bit of a problem uh Serge Ibaka actually had a great game too so all these all these role guys are stepping up for Toronto and I mean, as long as they can get it done, I'm still going with the Bucks, just because, you know, Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard is a better player than Giannis, but Giannis is more dominant on the court. So Kawhi Leonard can get it done. He's a two-way All-Star. But the thing is, with uh, Giannis is when you get him out of that three-point range, you know, it's tough for him to kind of maneuver him and operate. Uh, or get him into that three-point range. We don't let him drive to the basket. So I'm I'm still going to go with the Bucks just because of Giannis's dominance. But I I believe that Kawhi Leonard is not going to go roll over easy. Um, I mean he's if he does win this series, he's going to solidify his point of being one of the, being a, a definite top five player in this NBA, uh, in this league. So I, I'm curious to see what goes on further. Um, the Raptors. I mean the Raptors are playing magnificent. There's no there's no knock to them at all. No, I mean the, but the same. You could say the same thing about the Bucks. I mean they they won their first two games at home, and the Raptors won their first two games at home. And that's, it's just a great series. Like the playoff series happen like this. I know the Golden State Warriors swept the Portland Trailblazers. Never want to want to go crazy about that, but the Portland Trailblazers aren't as good as either of these teams. So this is as as an actual playoff series that we're watching right here. And as for Eric Bledsoe, that's that's the guy that's going to be very pivotal. To this, to the Milwaukee Bucks making it to the East. I mean, to the NBA Finals, he needs to show up. Him having five points, going two from seven from the field is not going to cut it, and that's why they lost by eighteen points. He's supposed to. He just signed a a four year deal, I think, worth forty some million dollars in a in a regular season. He got an extension, so he's not. He needs to start playing up to that contract, and he can't come out here sh- with five points, only two assists, and you got to. He has to impact the game a lot more. So I think in Game Five, he's going to be able to do that because they are going to be playing at home. 
and that crowd definitely gets behind that team. So I'm just it's, it's just put up a shut up time. Like this it's the it's the Eastern Conference Finals. LeBron James is not in the East this year. So this is this is a great this is honestly a great series to watch because we haven't had this in the last eight years. It's always been LeBron James. We never had a, a playoff series in the East in the last eight years. They had not had LeBron James in it. So it's up to Giannis or Kawhi and. And you you talk about you talk about Eric Bledsoe. I mean, the guy only played twenty minutes uh, of game four uh, compared to Malcolm Brogdon's twenty eight and George Hill's twenty seven. So I think they definitely do have some tweaking to do because Eric Bledsoe is a tough defender. And if Kyle Lowry scoring twenty five points to to beat you, uh, I mean, someone's got to lock him down. And the fact that Eric Bledsoe w- wasn't on the court as much, I understand Malcolm Brogdon's a better might be could be a better defender. That that's definitely a toss up. Yeah. But at at the same time, Eric Bledsoe doesn't definitely has to be a key factor. Um, Brooke Lopez, I mean, he's got to ha- he's got to have a better game. Malcolm Brogdon as well. I, I'm really, I I really want to see more from him because he is hitting the free agent market this summer. So I want to see him do a lot more uh, with his touches and and show us that he can actually score the ball in multiple facets compared to going down and and being a downhill driver and not shooting the ball as well. Um, so I mean, it'll be interesting coming to Milwaukee on Thursday night, seven thirty. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We're going to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice here of DePaul Blue Demons, and this is Land of Grinders. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back to Land of Grinders. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. So, Stephen, we're going to uh, talk about some of the MLB action right now. Since we are in Chicago and our, we are, have our beloved Cubs here, one of the best teams in baseball this year so far. Last night, the Chicago Cubs beat the Phillies on a Javi Baez walk-off single. The Cubs are first in the NL Central and on pace for 99 wins after most major sports analysts projected them to win around 77 games. Are the Cubs now the team to beat in the National League? Of course. I mean, I mean, what, what other way around it? You know, it's just crazy that people hyped us up to have 77 and a half wins this year. I mean, people people really aren't paying attention to sports. People aren't really t- paying attention to baseball. Like three years ago, four years ago, this team three years ago, sorry, this team won a won a freaking championship. Like uh, this is the same exact team that's coming back. I understand things are a little different, and you know, players have grown, players have matured. So there's there's no way to go but up. You know, after last year, last year was a down year for most, and we almost made the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, we made the playoffs. We, we just technically we made the playoffs, but like at the same time, we didn't. So. I I think the Cubs are the team to beat in the National League. Um, as far as the best team in baseball goes, I don't know if they're the best team in baseball right now, just because the Houston Astros are ridiculously good. Um, they they have the best record in baseball right now after they started off slumping. But I, I definitely think uh, I I think we're on pace for a Houston Astros Chicago Cubs World Series, and uh, I think that'd be a very very good explosive World Series. Um, with Jose Altuve versus Javi Baez, you know, th- th- things like that. But the Cubs are definitely the team to beat in the National League, especially if we start adding some bullpen depth. Uh, there's talk about Craig Kimbrell maybe signing with the Cubs uh, after after a couple weeks, you know, because you don't want to pay – you want to prorate that that signing um, just so you don't have to pay him the full amount for this year because he's already sat out so much. Uh, we're still going to get Brandon Morrow back. The, the Cubs are still on there. They, Pedro Strope's not even around. I mean, the bullpen's in shambles, but I, it's still there's still room for upgrade, especially with guys coming back off the injureds list, uh, especially with a little bit of prospects that we can move around. You know, the, M- the MLB drafts in two weeks. 
So I, I think we're going to look for pitchers. I, I saw, I read a mock draft that the Cubs are looking at a pitcher in, at, for like the 22nd pick, 27th pick or something like that. So, I mean, that's good that we're trying to load our farm system now with pitchers. Um, I mean, I wish we would have done a little bit earlier, but, you know, Miko, what do you think? Are the Cubs a team to beat right now in the National League? I think they're the, the one of the teams to beat in the National League. I mean, just because one thing that I've always I keep harping on, I'm going to continue to harp on, is that we don't know who our best player is. We have a lot of guys who can be candidates. And the fact that Chris Bryant, former league MVP, is starting to – he's been picking up his game and being a clutch performer for us this year and just being a, a good a good player, just kind of returning back to some of his rare form. And the fact that I think we have about four players on our team right now that have about 11 home runs. So we have like – we have four guys. I think it was Wilson Contreras. Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez all have around 11 home runs each so far. So we, we do it by committee, and we just do it as a unit. And the one thing that people always talk about and the one thing that kind of – that probably uh, the baseball writers were trying to say that we were going to be a 77-and-a-half win team this year is because our pitching. I mean, and that's still, that's still one of our biggest problems that, that we need to have – need to fix. But if we get that down, then – we, like you said, we, it, w- it will be a Cubs versus Houston Astros World Series because cause, cause from an offensive talent standpoint, we have everything that a lot of these MLB teams have. So we're just going to be a, we're just a grinding out team right now, and we're going to keep fighting. And I just love how, how resilient this Cubs team has been after, they ha- after their slow start to the season. And I believe we have five walk-offs so far this year. And, you know, pe- people aren't talking about So last year when Javi Baez was in race for the ML, from the NL MVP, you know, Wilson Contreras – projected by Bleacher Report to be the NL MVP. Uh, so we still we have guys like Talon, and, and right now, all things considering, like at the end of the year, we might have three MVP candidates between Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Wilson Contreras. You know, Jason Hayward's still one of the best defenders in right field. Uh, Albert Almora is playing great. Kyle Schwarber has some wheels on him now. Uh, he's slimming down a lot. Rizzo Rizzo's still a little banged up, but, you know, Chris Bryant was actually playing first base a couple times over the last couple weeks. So I, I'm curious to see where the Cubs will go from here. Um, I think I think with Addison Russell back uh, after his suspension and what what he'll do when he comes finally matures and comes back, I think that the Cub, the Cubs will definitely be right now. I think they're the top team in the MLB, one of the top teams in the MLB. But I, I think when that happens and and Addison Russell gets over the over the hill, I think that's when we're going to have a lot of conversations about Cubs and World Series. Uh, changing directions, uh, different sports. Miko, in, NFL, in the NFL, OTA started this week, organized team activities. Teams are coming together and having their first official team meetings. After watching some NFL teams practice together, who are you most excited to watch in this upcoming season? I mean, I'm going to take it. I'm going to keep it home here in Chicago. After our marvelous season we had last year where we came up short because of, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he's no longer on the roster, and we, we're trying out all these kickers. So the fact that we – we brought back a lot of the same guys that we had last year. I know we lost some we lost some guys on some key players on defense and we got rid of Jordan Howard, but we drafted a guy at running back. So it's about it's all about what's going to happen and what it's going to uh, what Mitchell Trubisky is going to project into cuz this is his this is his third year in the league now and this is this is the year where he's going to have to show everyone who he is. It's it's about how big his landscape was. He he was he made a, the Pro Bowl as a replacement, which I don't really I don't like to believe in replacements on a Pro Bowl team, but he was on the team, so he has a lot of upside, and he's he's projected to be a, a good player. So I want to see what is what his what he's going to become this year. How about you? And uh, I just I mean exactly what you just said. Uh, there's two things I'm excited about. One thing I'm excited about is Carson Wentz being out of the knee brace and actually making throws and, and doing his thing now, which I, I got very excited about because I'm I'm a big Carson Wentz guy. Um, but the Bears, you know. This is a big year for Mitchell Trubisky for his development and for him to show uh, the league what he really is. You know, this is his second year under Matt Nagy. Uh, it's his second year playing with all these wide receivers: Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller. Um, if if Trubisky doesn't develop this year and turn into a great quarterback, then we have some problems on our hands. But as far as the defense goes, I mean, our defense was was one of the best defenses in the NFL last year, and it's a sa- almost the same committee coming back with a few additions: Buster Scrine. And uh, haha, Clinton Dix. But th- those are one. I mean, we lost Bryce Callahan, which is definitely a decline. But haha, Clinton Dix. I know he wasn't. Adrian Amos was graded the best safety, but haha, Clinton Dix's skills uh, to ball hawk and, and play the safety position, I believe, are, are going to be very, very good to us. Um, I think those are going to generate more turnovers, and I think the Bears are just going to be all around, maybe possibly a little bit more better on the defensive side this next upcoming year. I mean, I would like to see that, but 
another team that one of my surprise teams. You know, I'm gonna stay at home with Chicago Bears because you got to root for our team, and I lo- I do love Chicago Bears. But one of the teams that I would be happy to watch next year. I mean, I love the way Patrick Mahomes plays the quarterback position. But one of my one of my teams, I, I'm one of my sleeper teams that I'm gonna be excited to see is I want to see how good Lamar Jackson is gonna be at the quarterback position. I want to see if he's gonna be able to actually throw the ball this year and not just be a strictly running quarterback because at that size in his frame, like he is a very elusive, fast guy at the quarterback position. But I want to see if he's going to be able to transcend into a, to a, a player that can get, get they can connect on about twenty five throws a game and and take more than just twenty take more than twenty five passes a game and maybe get up in that thirty that thirty to thirty five passing pass attempt per game range with the guys that they drafted, Marquise Hollywood. Miles Borkins from Notre Dame, and I, I thought it was funny that they signed another Notre Dame player, Malcolm Floyd, well Michael Floyd. So I thought that was funny. So you get you get, a, you get two Notre Dame guys that are pretty much around the same size. He's going to be there to mentor a lot of these young players that they have on this roster, and with a, the key additions at the running back position and Mark Ingram and Justice Hill, who they drafted. I want to see how good the Ravens are going to be. I know they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball, but I think their offense could be one of the one of the like one of the most elite offenses in the league with the way they run the ball and some of these new weapons that they have. You know, the, another guy that I'm excited for, almost the same kind of style, is I'm very excited Kyler Murray. I'm actually, after watching OTA, after paying attention to a little OTA stuff and, and seeing what's going on, um, I'm hearing that Kyler Murray's actually doing a, a, a very good job there. And, uh, I mean, he has a lot of weapons. I mean, you're bringing Kyler Murray into David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. They got the fastest guy in the draft at wide receiver, Andy Isabella. Hakeem Butler from Iowa State is no joke. Uh, so these guys, I mean, also Kevin White, you know, you never know what could happen there. I mean, yeah, Pe- People love to leave Chicago and be great. So First-round draft pick. So you, n- you never know what's going to happen. Um, but I'm excited to see what Kyler Murray does because, I mean, this guy has all the tools in the world. Uh, to be to be a good quarterback in this league and be a multi-threat quarterback, and so I, I want to see what Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler are going to produce over in Arizona in the desert. Um, Josh Rosen, I know he's still in, he, Josh Rosen. I guess is in a uh, quarterback battle with Ryan Fitzpatrick down in Miami, but we should know how that one's going to turn out. Josh Rosen can't fold over to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll be very very upset about that. Um, but OTAs are, are very very good time to finally get a feel for things. Uh, Ruben Foster actually for the Washington Redskins tore his ACL the other day, so he's out for the season, which sucks to see. I know he had a lot of a lot of legal troubles, but on the field, great competitor, uh, great linebacker. Yeah, you hate to see it. Hate- I, that's one of the things I hate about when these preseason workouts start to happen, and then you hear about all these big name guys going down in OTAs when they're not really doing anything physical. So I just hate when players like that because you, guys you look, you look forward to seeing and then they get hurt in OTAs. It's, it's just a brutal start to your season. So, But it's all – and football, you know, it's next man up, so I just wish him the best. Uh, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and I saw the NFL is actually trying to take away from more contact drills in OTAs, and they're taking away the famous Oklahoma drill, hopefully, just to reduce some contact and reduce concussions. Like before the season even starts, like there's no point in putting your body on the line when you're not really playing for anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So moving on, we're going to head back to the NBA a little bit. Uh, so the NBA released their all-defense and all-rookie teams this past week, and with that come players who believe that they were snubbed. Miko, do you personally believe that anyone from these teams were snubbed? I think it's funny that about these all-defensive teams. You got So the all-defensive first team, you have Eric Bledsoe at guard, Marcus Smart at guard, Giannis Antetokounmpo at forward, Paul George at forward, and Rudy Gobert at center. I agree with those first three, and I, but I mean I love Eric Bledsoe as a player. That's my Kentucky boy. I root for him, and I I like Marcus Smart. So I mean I guess over the other over the other guards like Drew Holiday and Klay Thompson that they are in the right position, but it's just funny to see those two guys on that on the first team all defense because you're looking at you're looking at Eric Bledsoe right now and. The fact that he's not being able to stop Kyle Lowry right now is kind of irking me a little bit because you you all defensive first team Eric Bledsoe. If you're not going to score the ball, you got to do one thing right, and you got to be able to to be able to be an off defensive player in these playoffs as well. But as far as snub, I, I don't. I mean, uh, Draymond Green. He said he said he's one of the best NBA uh, defensive players of all time. So for him to make the all second all defensive second team is is pretty funny. Even though he had, he made the uh, first team three times in his career. I thought Paul George was a, a really lock. He, I thought he was a lockdown defender this year, so I think he's very deserving over the, in that forward position. And 
the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo is on the All Defensive Team is is great as well, especially since he's an MVP. Right, so he just he just keeps proving how good he is as as a twenty four year twenty four year old kid to be an MVP candidate and all defense all defensive first team. Like he's trending in the right direction. So as for snubs, I mean, I don't really I I, I agree with these two teams. I know name wise, the second all defensive second team look may look better, but these are uh, some of the top defender, top de- defensive players in the NBA this year. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's necessarily any snubs. How about you? I think there's one snub, and I, I, I was actually, I was actually rooting for this guy, because, um, and when I saw these teams, I, I was, I was a little upset, but I believe Joel Embiid should have made it. I believe Miles Turner from the Indiana Pacers should have made it. Yeah, I saw that he was upset. He about was very that. upset about that, and I, I was rooting for him to actually make this, uh, make the team or make the All Defensive Team because I mean he averaged almost three blocks a game and one steal compared to Joel Embiid's two blocks a game and one steal. So I mean Miles Turner from from a center standpoint is a very magnificent shot blocker. Uh, when you look at Joel Embiid, I mean he he's great in the paint, but he's not. He can't move as well as Miles Turner can. Uh, compared to the, off- I mean, the offensive side of the ball is very different because Joel Embiid has a lot of things in his bag that are very, very different from Miles Turner. Uh, but Miles Turner, I, I believe, should have made the All Defensive Second Team. You can't, you can't take Rudy Gobert out of the first, uh, first team. But Miles Turner, Miles Turner, I believe, was, was very, very deserved of uh, getting a shot. As an all-defensive second-team player, um, I believe he was snubbed. Besides that, I, I agree with this entire team. I mean, these teams are stacked with players. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. Um, Kawhi Leonard is all all-defensive second team, so I believe that Paul George was actually a great defender all year. I, I loved the way he played defense on opposing players. Um, if Kawhi Leonard was doing what he was doing now uh, against Giannis in the regular season, I believe that that matchup. Uh, between him and Paul George would have been a lot, maybe possibly a little different because Kawhi Leonard's a great defender on any given night basis. But when it comes to like a bigger plate, a bigger matchup, uh, I believe Kawhi Leonard steps up to the plate a little bit more than Paul George does. Um, so as far as that goes, I mean, that, that's my only snub. Yeah. I mean, shout out to everyone that made the all, all, defensive, all defensive teams this year, though. So it was a great list, of gu- great group of guys that made these teams. So um, actually talking about the all rookie team. Uh, I saw some people bashing um, Miles Miles Bridges Miles Bridges on Twitter uh, for not making the team, and he tweeted something. Like, yeah, I thought it was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he he said I played like we ain't gonna say it on air all season. I'm like, yeah, you kind of yeah, did. did. <laughs> I expect I expected a lot a lot more from Miles Bridges this year, and he had some sparks where you saw his athleticism, but for him to make an all all in, all rookie team, he, he definitely was not deserving, but. We look. Let's look at. Let's take a look at this all all rookie team. Let's see. So all rookie first team: Luka Doncic, Marvin Bagley, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson Jr., DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I believe that. I believe that. That's kind of perfect. Yeah. Uh, I you know Trey Young and, and Luka Doncic were the were the only unanimous decisions, and I believe that that's rightfully so. And I think that heats up the the rookie of the year conversation yeah. uh, a I little s- bit more. I saw something about this was the first time that all top five players made the all all rookie first team since like 1984. I since believe. since Jordan since Jordan year uh, since the Jordan year. Um, second team: Landry Shamit, uh, Kevin Herter, Colin Sexton. Shea Gillisley, Alexander, and Mitchell Robinson. And shout out to the New York Knicks for taking a flyer on Mitchell Robinson. Uh, for not Mitchell Robinson did not play college basketball last year, and he sat out to work out. And he came out to the NBA with a vengeance uh, for everyone that passed on him. So v- big ups to them because he had a magnificent year. Um, I, I believe that he wasn't talked about enough as a as a player just because the New York Knicks were so bad. Uh, but I, I think that he should have been talked about a little more just for what he does on each side of the ball with offense and defense. Uh, he's a pretty good – he's a very good all-around center, and I, I think that's a good piece for the Knicks moving forward uh, as far as that goes. And as far as snubs on, on all rookie teams, I liked Kevin Herter a lot this year, but I think I don't think he did more than what Kevin Knox did in this season. I felt like Kevin Knox had a lot more impactful games where you saw his potential and you saw how good of a player he's going to be in the future. So I mean Kevin Kevin there's no knock to Kevin Herter but I just felt like Kevin Knox was a he was a really good rookie this year. He, I know and I, I know the numbers that might not uh might not, not might not favor on his side but I think you got to put him on a team over Kevin Herter in my opinion. I mean uh, Kevin Knox have any 30 point games this year? 
I mean, I believe he, he had something close to about 30 point game. Yeah, Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter, was, I, 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 I get what you're saying with the Kevin Knox thing because Kevin Knox did have an incredible year. Uh, not not incredible by any means, but like a good first yeah, year, a I mean, solid first year. Twelve point eight points per game, four point five rebounds, over over thirty four percent from the three point line. His field goal percentage was not as not where you would want it to be. I mean, shooting thirty seven percent, like that's that's not good. He got to get that up. But I mean, he played seventy five games. I thought with, I thought he was. I know he was injured for a little part of the season, but the fact that he still played seventy five games, he was very serviceable. No, uh, I I mean yeah, Kevin. I mean Kevin Herter though. I mean. 9.7 points a game, it's a little bit less, but he was an everyday small forward for the Atlanta Hawks that actually kind of started winning games towards the end of the year. And I, I believe Kevin Herter has a has a very high ceiling going forward. Um, I don't know how much he'll get better athletically, but I know from a tool standpoint, uh, the guy is a great shooter. He's all right. he's a pretty good player. Uh, he's a great guy to have in that lineup between Trey Young and John Collins, and I'm curious to see what they'll go do during the draft because they will have a – magnificent starting five come the start of next year and i just want to give us i just want to say that basketballreference.com uh actually put kevin herter's nickname as red mamba and red velvet <laughs> i mean he's definitely a red boy <laughs> you can't snub my all kentucky player though you can't you can't snub kevin knox like that but i like kevin herter's game a lot i remember uh i think he had a dunk versus chicago bulls this year that i mean i, I was surprised at how fluid it looked he got up i mean at that six seven size i really like him a lot he does have a lot of potential as well. Moving on, we got one last question for the day. Talking about our Chicago Bulls, who's been in the news a lot about how interested they are in Lonzo Ball. Do you think the Bulls should be shopping that seventh pick to acquire Lonzo Ball? Or do you th what do you think the Bulls are going to do at that point guard position? That's the hottest topic in Chicago Bulls sports right now. It's about what we're going to do at that point guard. So – so uh, I go I go both ways on this. Um, I believe Lonzo would be a great fit for the Chicago Bulls just because he's very defensive-minded, and we don't need a point guard who can score the basketball realistically, but we need one that can shoot kind of well. Lonzo doesn't really fit that mold very well. We do need a point guard that gets Zach Levine, our core Zach Levine, Lori Markin, and Wendell Carter, and Otto Porter involved. And I think Lonzo would be very good at orchestrating an offense, but I think when it comes time to those guys getting doubled down on the block or those guys getting doubled somewhere else, Lonzo has to be capable of shooting a three-point shot, and he's been proven not to be able to hit that shot in, in the past. So as long as he works on that, I believe he'd be a very, very good fit for the Chicago Bulls. Um, I know you told me before the show that Kobe White and Darius Garland, I know Darius Garland already got a, a promise probably from the Lakers or the Suns, so I, I'm curious to see if Kobe White would fall uh, because right now I, I'm thinking that Kobe White or Darius Garland is going to be taken fourth overall by the Lakers. And so if he's taken fourth overall by the Lakers, I mean, Kobe White's going to be taken sixth overall by the Phoenix Suns. So as far as that goes, I don't really know where that leaves the Bulls because that takes us out of the entire point guard conversation in the draft. And that's exactly what we need is a point guard. Um, I think that things could switch up in the draft uh, if the New York Knicks decide to take Jarrett Culver. Yeah. Or some, something like that happens where someone falls and things get switched up. But I believe in the best interest right now of the Chicago Bulls, if we realistically think we cannot get anybody in the draft, if everyone's promised to a team that Lonzo Ball is the best fit for us as a team just because of his offensive-minded orchestrating offenses um, and, and being able to play great defense. Because Lonzo Ball was a great defender last year when he wasn't, when he wasn't yeah. injured. Um, I, I, want, I want to hear what you have to say about this because, nah. I mean, this is your guy, Zach Levine, and you, he needs to have a great year in order to take that next leap, so he yeah. needs someone I mean, that he's, helps him. He's going to be able to take that next leap with or without uh, with uh, or without Lonzo Ball as far as scoring the ball part. But for Lonzo Ball as a point guard, because that's, that's just one thing, that you need a guy that's going to be able to set up the offense. Now, Zach can do it on occasion, but you need, you need a guy like Lonzo Ball who's going to get everybody else involved. And I think Lonzo Ball would be perfect for us just because he is that push guard that the Chicago Bulls have been talking about they want. They want a guy that's going to be able to push the ball up the court and get those three guys involved. And I, what, what better player than Lonzo Ball to do that for? you got a guy that's not going to really take many shots away from those guys, Otto Porter, Levine, and Marketing, and Wendell. He's a guy that's going to go out there and play defense and, and get a lot of assists. So I think – at this point, if we can, if we somehow could spin a trade, uh, get involved in that a three-team trade with the Pelicans and the Lakers and, and land Lonzo Ball, I mean that would be, it'd be euphoria here in Chicago because we have uh, we have the we have the perfect guy to grow with our young core and our great players because he's I believe he's 21 years old or so. Levine's only 24. Markin just turned 22, I believe yesterday. 
Wendell Carter Jr. is not even 20. He's like 19. And you got Otto Porter, who's about 25 years old, about to probably turn 26. So he would just be – he would honestly be the ideal fit at the point guard position. Like, I would – I mean, he would just be a match made in heaven. As far as the the draft class with that seventh pick, if Kobe White was to fall to us, I mean, I think he would be perfect as well just because you got a guy that's going to be able to knock down threes when Zach Levine or Otto or Larry collapse the defense. You got a guy that's going to be able – you can kick it out to that's going to be able to hit that shot consistently. So I'm just – I can't wait to see what happens in free agency and when come draft time to see what the Chicago Bulls are going to do to turn it around. And another – I mean, we still got to add some veteran players to our roster as well, but sky's the limit for us next year, and I think with – Kyrie Irving potentially leaving the Boston Celtics with Kawhi Leonard probably going west. The East is going to be wide open for us to make the playoffs, so I don't I don't think we don't have to do much. We just got to keep getting better. I think even with those guys staying in the East, I mean, that eight spot's still up for grabs. Yeah. I mean, who made the eight spot this year? The Detroit Pistons? Yeah. I think we can be better than the Detroit Pistons next year. And, and actually, something that I wanted to bring up to you on air and not off air was that there's been talks about the Chicago Bulls even trading for Reggie Jackson. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we might as well keep Chris Dunn at that aspect. We trade for Reggie. We trade for Reggie Jackson. Then we are gonna take a step back because he he's gonna he's gonna mess everything up because he's he's a score for he's a score first guard. He doesn't he doesn't pass the ball as well as you would want your point guard to do. He would honestly just be a catastrophic failure if we were to ever try to acquire a guy like him. And as far as the Mike Conley talks go, do you think that we could be in on that? I think if we somehow got if you get a guy like Michael Conley, you can't I know he he might his contract might be worth a lot, but he's gonna put us in a position of like I think that Lonzo Ball is gonna put us in a position to win now, but you got you get a guy that's thirty one year old veteran who's who's proven himself to be a consistent scorer in this league and just and a great point guard. Michael Conley's gonna be Michael Conley would be a home run as far as Chicago Bulls like winning now 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 type of because you get a guy like him that's gonna be able to give you nineteen to twenty points per game and get other players involved and it, we don't even need him to score that much. He's a guy that can take a step back on offense and try to get Levine the ball, try to get Otto Porter the ball, try to get Laurie the ball and just kinda just be a just be a traditional point guard. Like I know from a money standpoint that would kind of set us back, but as far as, as where I where we are with our young core I think that I mean I think that'd be a great addition as well. Just just for a guy to season, you know, these yeah. these younger guys and and help help people out. Um, I mean, I, I didn't get into this before I asked that question, but it's uh, Memphis Grizzlies are a lock to take John Morant number two overall. I don't, I don't see him not going to Memphis any other way unless someone trades up to one and takes Ja, which would be yeah. totally stupid because you take Zion number one no matter what. Yeah, and it was a report that they they're definitely going to trade Michael Conley. Exactly. So, I mean, I would like for, I would like to see Michael Conley go to Utah as well because I I think him and Donovan Mitchell would be fun to watch that backcourt. Because for me personally, I want a young I want a young guy because I want us I want us to be an exciting team like the Denver Nuggets where I don't want to – having a veteran would definitely help us out, but we're at a point where we rebuild it and we have all the talent in the world. Like, go give us give us a young point guard that's just going to be capable. And I, I believe that next year will be really our year to start, like, buying uh, just simply because uh, what what if you're Gar Foreman and John Paxson, what do you say to a – a free agent that's entices them to come to Chicago. I mean, it's a third major, third biggest major market. Um, I mean, you could be a face of a franchise, but I mean, this is a team that's in, in rebuild mode right now. And, and I, I believe they are one star away from being very, very competitive in the NBA. Um, switch directions real quick. Uh, I, mean, I actually saw a report that Kevin Durant uh, is leaning towards signing with the Clippers now too. Uh, what, what do you, what do you think about that? I think that's, I mean, I think all this stuff right now is kind of, hearsay at this point because I think it's funny that uh, Chris Broussard and Kevin Durant's having a little riff back and forth on Twitter right now so the fact that Kevin Durant's taking time out of his day to respond to all of these allegations just shows you the type of guy he is as far as like he is a he is a sensitive guy when he comes to this stuff like he he always feels the need to make sure he addresses everything because Everything, everything at this point is the media making up whatever they want to make. Like, cause if he didn't, if he didn't come out and he's not saying this stuff, you really can't like you really can't uh say you you we can project about him going to the Clippers and going to the New York Knicks all we want, but until that guy actually says something, he, he's so sensitive that I feel like every I feel like everyone is kind of uh, hurting the NBA's chances right now of him leaving the Warriors because everyone keeps talking about he's going this and he's doing that. And he's the type of dude to just prove everyone wrong and say, I'm going to stay, I'm going to take a pay cut and stay with the, uh, the Golden State Warriors because since y'all want to keep trying to control my life, he's that type of dude. So honestly, I don't want to talk about it. I want, I want to, I want to leave Kevin Durant alone. Like to the media, leave Kevin Durant alone. Let Kevin Durant make 
his own decision because if we keep saying he going this and he going there, he going to save the Warriors because he, he, he likes, a, to, he likes kinda, to hurt people. He's, he's the kind of dude where if you start saying something bad about him, he'll come back and retaliate in a, in a certain way to make you even more pissed off. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you want to feel Kevin Durant, just say he's going elsewhere. I mean, people keep saying that he's a lock for going to New York, but, I mean, little do you know, he, he the Warriors definitely could re-sign him next year, and, they I mean, they could yeah, give up Clay Thompson. All our feelings would be hurt then. <laughs> Seriously. Um, real quick before we hop off air, uh, last thing that we're going to talk about before we wrap up the show, uh, reports about the New York Knicks being enamored with Jarrett Culver over R.J. Barrett at number three overall. What do you make of that? I always, watching college basketball this year, watching those two guys play, R.J. Barrett is the type of guy who's, who is, like, he's an elite scorer as far as, like, he wants the ball in his hand. Like, he wants to be able to take shots. And he's a he's a, he's a guy that's going to take any shot. He's, there's no shot that he's not afraid to take. He's going to go out there and just shoot, 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 shoot. So that that can kind of draw NBA teams away as far as like you want to run a you want to have like an offensive ran and you want everybody to share the ball. RJ Barrett is not the type of guy that's going to want to share the ball. He's always thinking about himself and he's always thinking about like I got to go get this bucket, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But when you're in the NBA, you got to make sure you're hitting those shots because if you're missing them, you're going to look terrible and everyone's going to start downplaying you. So as for as far as another guard that like in Jared Cover, who he's more of a team player and he's more. He he has more of a finesse game when it comes to scoring. He's not all, he's not as erratic as uh, R.J. Barrett, but he didn't shoot the ball particularly well as you would like as well from the shooting guard position. So they both have some flaws when it comes to scoring the ball. But they both are ultra aggressive and they both are really good athletes. So I think I, as much as I don't want to say that picks a toss up because RJ, I believe in R.J. Barrett game a lot. I think he will uh, persevere in the NBA because the game's gonna be way open. And I do like I like his attack and his aggression, but that could draw some teams away. And as for Jared Cover, I think he's just the ultimate professional, and he's I, I like I like his uh, his two guard skills, and I like his defensive ability because I think from a defensive standpoint, he's a way better defender than R.J. Barrett. So, I I think it comes down to the New York Knicks plan for the yeah. summer because, I mean, Jared Culver is a sophomore. He I mean his freshman year he played 11 minutes a game, uh, and, and finally started breaking out in his sophomore year. Uh, R.J. Barrett led the ACC in scoring, I believe. Um, at Duke, and uh, I mean that's no tall task. I mean the the guy was the guy was great at Duke. There's there's no there's no saying that. But if the Knicks plan on going after a Kevin Durant or or a Kyrie Irving, a guy who predicates his game on taking shots in volume and and scoring the ball in volume, him and R.J. Barrett would kind of clash, and it wouldn't be the right fit. And I feel like a Jarrett Culver would actually be the perfect fit for someone that that's next to a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant. Uh, so it all depends on on who the Knicks think they're gonna get. I mean if they, it, I mean it, free agency will tell all. Um, but free agency won't start till after the draft, so we'll we'll see what happens if if the New York Knicks maybe have a commitment uh, from somebody. But I mean, no one's loyal. I mean, loyalty is a is a thing of the past in the NBA. Yeah. No no one's loyal to anybody nowadays. So you, you got to be careful who you're who you're talking to and, and what you're doing. Um, one, one thing I'm just, I'm really excited about this off season. It's gonna be one of the funnest off seasons in a while with all these star players being free agents and with this draft class. I know a lot of people sleep on this draft class, but I'm I'm very I really like a lot of the wing players that's in this draft, and I think a lot of them can be some 3 and D players on the next level. So I can't wait for draft time, and I can't wait for free and the free agency, which might be pushed up till uh, I believe, the, the 31st at 6 o'clock. So let's go. Let's, let's go. All right. This is a, a nice show today of on Land of Grinders. We'll be back next week at 630. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice here at DePaul Blue Demons.